Hey everybody, it's your boy Captain Hunter coming at you again. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really, really appreciate it. Um, make sure that you hit that rate button, subscribe, and share these videos on all that kind of good stuff. Um, we're going to get into something that is really, really uh, trending across the United States, and that is um, the shooting of uh, a man in a wheelchair by a, a police officer who is working a special duty assignment or probably more than likely what we call what I would call the next duty assignment. Right. He's working at a Walmart. At least I mean, I'm hearing conflicting details. Uh, Walmart, Lowe's. Uh, he's working somewhere in, in, a, in a mart like this, uh, somewhere along those lines. So there's a guy who's uh, attempting to uh, steal a toolbox or apparently he did steal a toolbox from a Walmart um, and then uh, is trying to get away from the officers uh, when he was confronted by uh, store security uh, the man pulls a knife at the at the officer um, excuse me pulls a knife on this store security so in pulling the knife it, it, it goes from a larceny six more than likely goes from a larceny six to a uh, robbery, right? Once you use force and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, not, you, you know, so even though they say larceny and say, hey, just stole the toolbox. Well, now when you uh, actually use force and try to overcome uh, the 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 um, overcome the resistance by the um, by the store security, right? The store security is not trying to exert their authority and say, listen, hey, you can't take this. Once that person brandishes a knife or threatens that person, uh, threatens the uh, store security individuals with a knife, now it goes from a larceny or shoplifting and uh, up into a robbery. So you're here, you will hear shoplifting, um, but it's actually a robbery at this point, um, even though it's not classified as that. Uh, I'm, Arizona law may be different, but that's how it works uh, here in Connecticut. So uh, this is from The Independent. I tried to get something that's, you know, uh, some, a fairly short article. So The Independent uh, is uh, based in the United Kingdom. Can't see it up there, but the actual, it's it's actually a UK newspaper here. So it says, uh, News World America, US Crime News, uh, police business is messy. Arizona police officer defends shooting man in wheelchair nine times. Right, so this was written two days ago, but by this guy, Josh Marcus, uh, and probably his basing is out of San Francisco. So he's trying to get the details as well. So here's a video. I'm going to show a different video here because I think there's a better videos that kind of explain everything. Um, so we'll read through the article real, real quickly. Uh, in an Arizona uh, police department has moved to fire one of its officers who fired nine shots at a man in a wheelchair accused of stealing a toolbox, killing him. The Tucson Police Department announced Tuesday it was terminating Officer Ryan Remington, a four-year veteran who shot and killed 61-year-old year old Richard Lee Richards. Wow, Richard Lee Richards on Monday in the parking lot of a Walmart store. I think the actual uh, occurrence happened on Monday. Uh, I'm recording this on a Sunday, so almost a week later, I'm actually getting to this. I'm a little tied up, but you know, I, I don't always like to comment on these because I believe that that um, due process, I believe that um, investigations have to, to come out and just immediately jump on something without knowing the facts, particularly you know, in my line of work, my consulting business, got to know the facts before you start commenting and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's time to really say something now. His deadly force uh, in this incident is a clear violation of his department policy and directly contradicts multiple aspects of our use of force and training, Tucson Police Chief Chris Magnus said in a statement on Tuesday. Tucson Mayor Regine Romeo, Regin or Regine Romeo, meanwhile, condemned the shooting as unconscionable and indefensible. Mr. Remington, who's 
attorney has uh, defended his actions as necessary, was called to the scene shortly before 6 p.m. on Monday while working off-duty as a special assignment at a Walmart, according to police. That was a poorly written sentence. Uh, so Mr. Remington is the has an attorney. Mr. Remington has an attorney. Um, and he was called to the scene uh, after the shooting on Monday. The officer was working um, a special duty assignment. Wow, this guy's that writes for a living. Uh, Mr. Richards, uh, who died of his wounds, allegedly stole a toolbox and brandished a knife at his employee who asked him to see a receipt, telling the worker, telling the worker, here's your receipt. The officer pursued Mr. Richards through the parking lot and called for a backup, warning him to drop the, the weapon and not enter a nearby Lowe's store. Okay, so we went from a Walmart to a Lowe's store. Okay, there we go. Uh, if you want to me, if you want me to put down the knife, you're going to have to shoot me, Mr. Richards said, according to the Walmart employee. Uh, Mr. Remington's lawyer, Mike Story, uh, defended the officer's actions as appropriate, given the circumstances, and said the policeman had tried to calm the situation before re resorting to deadly force. He's trying to talk this guy down and de-escalate, and that's exactly what he's trying to do, Mike Story said, according to uh, police, adding, police business is messy at times. He also criticized local officials for commenting on the case before the full investigation was complete, saying the remarks were, would inflame the community. The Pima County's attorney's office is now reviewing the incident, which was captured from multiple angles on the police body camera and the CCTV. So we're going to watch the video. Uh, there's going to be a lot of warnings. Uh, so if you were watching this, if you have not seen the videos, I want to warn you that it is going to be graphic. We're going to show the video. Uh, we're going to show it from multiple angles. First, the video is going to be uh, that them walking through the parking lot and you can hear the officer radioing in. So as they leave the, from the Walmart on their way to a Lowe's, uh, he's going to be radioing in uh, exactly what's going on. The next video is going to be the actual shooting. And then the final one is going to be the shooting uh, from a, from the vantage point. And the first vent, the first shooting or the second video is going to be the shooting from the vantage point of an arriving officer. Remember, this officer is working extra duty or, or special duty assignment. So therefore, uh, I would assume, well, he doesn't have a body camera on or that hasn't been released yet. I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be another officer uh, who's going to arrive on the scene to back up the, the initial officer. Uh, and then that officer is going to have a, vet, um, a body camera. And we're going to see her recording as to the shooting. The final video that we're going to see is going to be that that of the Lowe's uh, CC uh, their their security system as the, as the incident is captured from the vantage point of the Lowe's. Uh, so again, graphic warnings, all that kind of stuff. Um, so here we go. Okay, so they didn't. They did not show the. Okay, moments before the shooting. Here we go. Walmart parking lot. Bravo one eight. Bravo one eight. He's coming in eighty four. I have a male suspect that just shoplifted. Knife in front of him. He pulled a knife on me. He's currently westbound in the parking lot. I need an additional unit to Bravo one eight at sixteen fifty West Valencia Road. We're gonna be ten thirty nine. Bravo eight copies. White male. Flannel T-shirt. White hat, we're in front of the DD's discount. And Bravo 1-8, we're currently northbound on Oak Tree, going towards the Lowe's. And Bravo 1-5 to 1-U-5, he's confronted by loss prevention. He pulled the knife on loss prevention while I was right there. 
and Bravo and A. We're on the east side of Lowe's in the parking lot, so we're just west of Oak Tree. Still going south, though. Okay, so you heard the officer say, I'm going to pause right here just to interject. The next one is going to be body-worn camera that's going to show up. Uh, so you hear the officer say he pulled a knife on me. Then a few moments later, he says uh, while he's there with loss prevention, uh, he pulled a knife there. So I, I'm assuming that while the officer uh, was there with knife uh, with loss prevention, that the uh, guy uh, pulled a knife on, on everyone who was trying to stop him from exiting the store. Uh, so here we go. Here's the officer arriving uh, with uh, and showing her body one camera. Okay, so you hear him saying he's got a knife in his other hand. I'm gonna rewind it just a little bit here. Hear that again. Okay, I want to take a moment here just to talk about this. I wasn't going to do this, but we're going to talk about training and we're going to get into their policy a little bit. This is going to be a little bit of a, because I want to, I'm trying to understand this from the, from the aspect of how does this happen? How does this guy, how does this officer, and I'm, I keep calling him a guy, a former officer, go from, um, you know, being sounding fairly calm in the parking lot to then shooting this guy? You know, how does that happen? Um, I didn't interview this officer. I'm just going off my years of experience, my years of, tra of, of training officers. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm really, really p baffled by this. And I want to rewind it again so we can see this, so we can see, you know, exactly, you know, what, what's going on here. Um, but it's, it's really surprising to me that he's we walk him to the parking lot. He sounds really calm, right? He's he's not yelling, screaming. Oh, this guy pulled a knife. I mean, no, he's, we're walking through the Lowe's parking lot. He's going. We're northbound. We're eastbound. Going this way. Whatever. Almost at the Lowe's. Uh, he pulled a knife on me and loss prevention. Almost, you know, really kind of sounding really kind of dismissive about it, you know. So he goes from there. Now the other officer gets there. He says he tells the other officer that oh, he's got a knife in his other hand. Um, and then the next thing you know, there's there's nine shots being fired. How does that happen? And the other officer too, uh, the the arriving officer takes out her um, gun as well. We're gonna talk. We're gonna get into the to the policy, but but here's here's the aspect of of this when it comes down to training. Um, yes, having a knife is a deadly force situation, I, 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 absolutely, uh, or, or the potential to be. But just, but there's also other instance, other things that had to be taken into consideration. This guy is going away from the officers, right? He's wheeling himself into the Lowe's store. C clearly, uh, someone would say that if, and I'm sure that the defense is going to say, if he gets to that Lowe's store, he could take hostages. He can he can do whatever, uh, or he could stab a you, you know. And I'm not I'm not discounting that, but what I am saying is that the that at this particular time, the the guy's moving the other way. Is Taser involved? It, it should Taser have been involved? Should pepper spray, OC spray have been involved? Absolutely. I mean, this guy, we don't get a good look as to 
the level of incapacitation that this that this man is, right? Um, it was this guy. Did this guy possess enough ambulatory ability to get out of the wheelchair and fight with the officers? You know, this is stuff that will have to be covered in the investigation. Um, this is the thought. This is the the thinking that that needs to go on in these in these officers' minds. Is you know what is the level of a true threat here? I'm really trying to understand why you would. I don't even understand pulling out the guns. Quite honestly, I I think that's what I'm saying. Is I don't even know. And listen, I've I've had confrontation with people. I don't know if I would always immediately pulled out my weapon. I I can't say that I would. I'm not saying that they were wrong to do that, but I'm just saying that this guy's in a wheelchair. Yeah, I I can't take a guy in a wheelchair. I can't incapacitate a guy in a wheelchair. Now there is something with, with, that we know in law enforcement is the 18 foot rule or the 21 foot rule, depending what instructor you talk to. More than likely it's 21 foot rule that uh, uh, people who have knives are, are certainly a threat up to 21 feet before your reaction time is able to stop them. You're able to flee or run away or, or get a shot off and all that. Yeah, yeah, I, I get all that. I get all that. Um, but the guy's in the wheelchair. He's gonna have to stand up. Why not spray OC spray this guy? Why not taser this guy? Two officers taking out their gun. I, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to do this thought exercise as to how this escalated so fast, and I think I, I think this is going to be very very problematic for the officer. Quite honestly, I mean obviously this is why I'm doing it. So one more time we'll play. Here we see the officer getting out of her car. She's fiddling, fiddling with her keys, running over to the officer. Um, I need to stop. Man. Now, I want to let's let's one more time focus in. We'll try to play this. Try to. I mean, this will this video will be broken down and played slowly for the jury, for the prosecutor uh, to see, you know, exactly what's going on here. But we here we can't see. Right. So this guy, it looks like. This will be enhanced and all that. So we see the officer talking. Uh, looks like there is this the guy here. Oh, that's not him. Oh yeah, so he's wheeling himself and he's making this right hand turn into the store. He's going up the side and then he's wheeling to the right, away from the officers, going into the store. Where again, I I will admit. There's the potential for, for this guy to stab someone and all that kind of stuff. Now, he's, they're still running, still still wheeling himself in the other direction. Stop now. You need to stop. Before he even gets to the door, the shot's being fired. Man, I, I'm just having a hard time with this. He might have been trying to get out of the chair, right? Because we know that everyone who's in these types of uh, vehicles are not always fully incapacitated. Now here we see an officer, the officer is, this is now the Lowe's TV for the audio uh, portion, people who can't hear, hear this. So here we see that the officer uh, is uh, behind this, these particular individuals. And here we see a Lowe's employee Trying to see what's going on, seeing this guy coming to the store, and we got officers firing, or an, an officer firing in this direction. I, 
you, you can't stop a threat by becoming a bigger threat. <laughs> I mean, not just, just, but you got to recognize your, your part of the training of firearms is understanding your backdrop. Again, this will be broken down. I'm going to rewind this to play it again. This will be broken down. Was this guy trying to get up? Slumps over and he's gone. Really, really graphic. Really, really graphic. Uh, and then he goes to handcuff the guy. The other officer is not going to get the med kit in order to try to save this guy's life. Bravo 15. Uh, we have one gunshot victim. Uh, officers are code 4. Bravo 1 5 is it code 4 for meds to move in at this point? Bravo 15. I'll need units here, code 3. We've got a lot of people here. 10 4, standby just one. Is it okay for meds to move in? Is the scene secure? Yeah, scene's code 4, meds can move in. Okay, I do not believe that that video right there, uh, that the audio was linked up to that particular set of video. I'm sure that it was later on when there was a crowd starting to gather around. So I want to go through. So we read through the, through the article. This is what happened. We got the, a little bit of the backstory. Again, there's going to be a full investigation. We're going to talk to all witnesses, review all body cam footage, slow things down, enhance videos. I'll take talk to witnesses and all that kind of stuff. Um, so let's. I, I want to go through their use of force policy, which I I got to say, after reading, I thought first I was like, oh wow, this has been updated as you can see here, uh, revised uh, June 11, 2021, right. I'm sure that they had lawyers look at this. I'm sure that they had um, other police experts uh, look at this. Uh, and I'm sure that this was largely in response to the George Floyd protests and calls for transparency. Um, and this is a Tucson's a large police department. I believe it's one of the top 100 uh, largest cities in the United States. Uh, so they got this use of force policy. Uh, it goes through it and it's got a duty to intervene. One of the top things. Uh, a duty to render aid. Uh, de definitions. They have definitions. Uh, I would have liked to see more application to this, and not just definitions. But I got definitions of de-escalation is acting or communicating, uh, communicating verbally or non-verbally with a potential force encounter to stabilize the situation and reduce the immediacy of a threat, so that more time, options, and resources are available to resolve the situation using the least force necessary. De-escalation is also in an effort to, to reduce or end the need uh, to force and the threat has been diminished. When, when reasonable, officers will gather information about the incident, assess the risk, assemble resources, attempt to slow momentum, communicate with the suspect, provide an opportunity for compliance and coordinate a response. Officers should use warning, verbal persuasion, and other tactics as alternatives to hire police force when feasible. An officer may withdraw to a position that is tactically more secure or allows greater uh, distance in order to consider or deploy a greater variety of force options, right? So this de-escalation is not only the verbal type of thing, uh, communicating with, with, the, with the suspect, but it also has to deal with taking your time and slowing things down. The officer's walking through the parking lot with this man. Um, he's, he's, he doesn't sound excited by his, um, the officer does not sound excited by his tone uh, and inflections as he's speaking and talking on the radio. So how does it happen that he goes to seemingly very monotone, very matter of fact, very 
almost dismissive. Yeah, this guy's kind of just walked through the parking lot. You know, he pulled a knife on me and, and loss prevention. How did, uh, and he goes from that to nine shots. Ah, oh, it's just crazy. So this is the this is the policy that this officer had roughly six months to think about before he pulled the trigger the nine times. They, they got it was revised June eleventh. He had from June eleventh to December fourth to, to to dissect this policy, to digest this policy, to ask questions about this policy, to review all the uh, powerpoints um, and get clarification from supervisors, use and force instructors. Um, and I don't understand how this happened. I, I really don't understand. I'm trying to, and I'm trying, that's why I'm doing this video. I, I thought about this uh, all day yesterday. I'm thinking about it right now as I'm talking. I don't understand how this happened. All right. So there's got these definitions of what a lawful purpose force. Um, so we'll get into deadly force in a little bit, but, but this is the, this is almost uh, universal about how policies are written. Uh, the lawful purpose, right? There's a purpose when officers can use force, right? It, it's to affect an arrest, a detention or search, overcome resistance, prevent escape, right? Maybe this officer thought he, this guy was trying to prevent escape, prevent the commission of a crime, defend themselves or others, gain compliance with the lawful order or prevent a person from being injured, uh, from injuring himself, herself. However, an officer is prohibited in from using lethal force against a person who presents only a danger to himself and uh, does not pose an imminent uh, threat of serious bodily injury or risk of death to another person. In other words, somebody's got a gun to their head. You can't shoot them in order to stop them from uh, committing suicide, right? So if you got a knife to their own throat and they're only going to kill themselves, you can't say, oh, God, drop the knife. I'm going to shoot you, right? So that's what I'm saying. Objectively reasonable is a, is a standard uh, that says that officers um, can only use force uh or, or uh, yeah can only use force uh when another officer uh, high, uh trained to the same level uh would use force in a similar situation right objectively reasonable right what or what would another reasonably trained officer do in similar circumstances proportionality officers shall balance the circumstances known or perceived to be known at the time of the severity of the of the offense committed the subject's level of resistance and the immediacy of the threat, right? So this is all the things that have to be going through this officer's mind. What is uh, the officer's uh, shall balance the circumstances known or to perceived or known to or perceived by the officer at the time when the severity of the crime of the offense was committed? What is the severity of the crime there? We have a robbery. They say it's a larceny, but it's really a robbery. It's not going to a store Guns blade isn't saying, give me your all your money or I'm going to shoot shooting people. It's not that. It's not that. So it, it while it's technically is a robbery, and I'm assuming that I'm, I'm just taking for assumption that Arizona law reads very familiar to Connecticut law. The sus suspect's level of resistance. What level is he resisting? It's, he's, he's absolutely resisting. He's, he's fleeing. He's not listening to officers. He's absolutely resisting. In the immediacy of the threat. What is the immediacy of the threat? They still got time, right? We talked, uh, we went through or read through their um, de-escalation definitions. Um, they still got time, right? He's not, he has not entered the store uh, from the looks of the body camera and vantage point. You probably only see one person uh, that who's could potentially be taken hostage if you want to go down that road, right? That, that would be the Lowe's store employee there. Um. I, I, you know, so the proportionality 
seems to seems to be very very severe provocation in other words uh police officers can't get there and start provoking individuals and saying then saying well listen i you know i had to defend myself right so these are all definitions that are that i'm reading here uh use of force prohibited uh, you can't police officers cannot use uh or members of the tucson police department cannot use uh force to uh, punish or retaliate against individuals uh, who only uh, confront them verbally uh, unless the vocalization specifically impedes a legitimate law enforcement purpose and and creates a, an, an immediate safety concern. I have a problem with that with that wording. If it's only, you know, F you, F you, F you, I'm not doing it. Okay. But if you thought officer starts to make starts making threatening assessments, you come in close. I'm going to kick your A. Uh, uh, I'm going to kick your ass. Uh, you, you know, I, I, I don't think that that use of force should be uh, prohibited. And this this is use of force period right this is not i'm not talking about deadly use of force right that's that standard of taking out your gun and then shooting someone they're talking about use of force is prohibited period you can't tase anyone you can't oc spray anyone wow i mean yeah on a handcuffed or otherwise restrained subject except in such exceptional circumstances when the subject's actions must be stopped to prevent injury escape or destruction of property in such circumstances officers shall articulate why force is necessary and why no effective alternative to use force uh, appear to exist then they have a force model uh in the force model here they talk about the nature of the offense the immediacy of the threat faced by the officer or, or others the behavior and action of the suspect such as uh, resistive acts aggressive acts etc the physical size conditioning of the suspect yeah the physical size and conditioning this guy's in a wheelchair ah wow relative to the other the feasibility and availability of alternative responses and the availability of additional officers medical conditions of the person mental impairment uh developmental disability physical limitations age language barrier drug or alcohol intoxication mental health crisis and hearing impairment these are all things that officers had to consider does this person suffer from that this guy's in a wheelchair why was he not considering that levels of resistance um you guys can pause it here or go to tucson.gov and read up on their policies uh it does talk about the use of vascular neck restraints carter or, or or choke holds uh carotid uh or choke holds is pro prohibited pointing firearms so if you're a citizen out there and you point a gun and the officers point their gun at you force has been used against you if you're a police officer and you're pointing guns at people you you're using force against them and I would assume almost everywhere, but this policy is uh, for Tucson Police Department. Then there's the use of force investigation portion, and then they talk about the chain of command, the supervisor responsibilities, command responsibilities, uh, who's going to investigate what, the different types, they have type one, different levels and examples of of all that kind of thing, and, you know, blue team, and I, I'm assuming that there's some kind of team who's going to look into this, make sure everything is above board and all that kind of stuff. So uh five force review mechanisms chain of command and all that kind of stuff so it's a 12 page document you guys can, can can read through i'm sure that they're in addition to just receiving the policy there's training on the policy more than likely that would conclude powerpoints and those will be subpoenaed and all that type of thing uh in order to get it so i want to talk about something that was not mentioned very much and i th think really should be included in in, in officers decision making not only with it should be included not only in the use of force it should be included in the use of force policy, and that is Tennessee versus Garner, Graham versus Connor, and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
so this is from police one this is you know something that police officers should could read should read civilians can go on it right uh, very reputable magazine for law enforcement officials professionals and all that kind of stuff so what is permissible use of force police officers in all states are granted authority to use force to accomplish lawful objectives such as arrest entry to serve a warrant or make an arrest and det and detention right freeman versus gore uh fifth uh, circuit right they got the law right there all use of force lawsuits are measured by standards established by the supreme court in graham versus connor right 1989 all that in the graham case the court instructed lower courts to always ask three questions to measure the lawfulness of a particular use of force what is the severity of the crime that the officer believed to be the suspect to have committed or be committing right in this case the severity of the crime is a robbery, even though they said it's not, even though he said it's a larceny, it's really a robbery. It's not the type of robbery of a home to the level of a home invasion. It's not the type of robbery uh, where somebody enters into a store, guns blazing. It says, give me all the money or I'm going to start shooting hostages or start shooting people. It's not it's not had not risen to that level. Right. This guy's not he's he's wheeling himself away. He's not he may have a knife and it may have pulled in on the officers and pulled in on loss prevention. Why he didn't spray this guy in the store or in the parking lot? Why he didn't tase this guy before? Why he didn't? I I I wish that I knew. Maybe he was waiting for backup. Maybe maybe it was part of their de-escalation training or thought process that I have to wait for backup in order to do anything. And I now it's time to act before he encloses himself in a potentially hostage situation into another store and takes more hostages, pulls a knife on another another loss prevention or security or little kid. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Second question that they need to ask is, did the suspect present an immediate threat to the safety of the officers or the public? You know, this is all things that co cops got to think about. And this is, as I laid out to you, it would have been better to spray this guy or OC tase this guy or even shoot the guy if you're going to shoot him. <laughs> I'm not saying that the shooting is justified by any st standard. But if you're going to do it, why not do it in the parking lot? When there's nobody around, why would you wait till you're almost at the, in, to the entrance of a store where the bullets can fly in and hit somebody? Why would, I, I, I can't understand that. Was the suspect actively resisting arrest or, or attempting to escape? Well, he was doing that. I, I, I am completely confused as to this, but I, but I try to get into the officer's head and I know that he's, he's got this, this, the, all these different things swimming in his mind, swimming in his head as he's trying to answer these questions, trying to make sure that his Graham versus Connor, his Tennessee versus Garner, uh, and which, uh, uh, police officers can shoot fleeing suspects. Uh, there's, I think that's quite obvious. He could have done something differently. What could he and should he probably have done different? He should have OC sprayed the guy. The guy's going in a different direction. Okay, he's going in a different direction. Let's tase this guy in the back. Okay, let's let's run up to him real quickly and let's 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 spray him before anything happens. Let's let's do those types of things. Yes, before he gets into the store and, and potentially takes hostages or stabs someone or or slices someone, etc. Take that. That's the thing he should have done. But. I'm trying to get into the psychology of why he did what he did. And I know I'm probably speaking out of both sides of my mouth. The psychology is, is the training of the officers. And I'm not saying it's good or I'm not saying it's bad. I haven't looked at their PowerPoint presentations. I wasn't there when, they, when their training officers were going over whatever they were going over and saying whatever they're saying. But 
you have to understand the police officers are often trained to be scared at many times, trained to be concerned, trained to be watching hands, trained to be cautious and careful and not allow things to get worse. Nobody, because certainly if this situation had gotten worse, then they would, we would have crucified this officer because he didn't take charge, because he didn't do anything. So this is not an easy case. Um, it's my prediction that he will be um, arrested in a week. Uh, charges filed and more than likely go to go to court, probably go to jail for this, in all honesty. But I think that that training officers, those officers who train people, training officers, uh, really should take a look, a hard look at this case and really try to iron out, you know, it not only just mentioned de-escalation tactics. And I'm assuming that, that Tucson has done this. I'm not saying that they haven't not done this. But I'm saying that all officers really should take a look at this type of video and analyze it and say what should i have done he slowed down he was already slow why did you why did you now decide to act and why did you do this that's just crazy it's crazy that he did this but you have to take into consideration what's happening and what they should do what's happening and, and understand these uh laws procedures policies tennessee versus garner graham versus connor um, analyze them, understand this, understand the three-part test, the severity of the crime, the ability to, and your policies. Uh, the three-prong test, as I went over, uh, yeah, uh, the severity of the crime, uh, the suspect posed an immediate threat to the safety of you or the of the public, was the suspect actively resisting or attempting to escape, right? So these are all things that you have to consider. Man, woo! Well, let me know your thoughts, your opinions, rate, subscribe, share, all that kind of good stuff. Until next time, much love and peace, everyone. Police reform is more than just a trending topic. My name is Lawrence Hunter. I'm a retired police captain from the state of Connecticut, and I've written a new book called Police Reform. And I talk about the evolution of law enforcement here in America and what changes need to be made in order to improve the relationship between the police and the communities that they serve. Over the past few months, it has become increasingly more important and more evident that there's something amiss and awry between the police and the communities that they serve. So whether you're about defunding the police or defending the police, if you're about Blue Lives Matter or Black Lives Matter, no matter what side of the fence you happen to sit on, make sure that you pick up your copy of Police Reform today.